Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we dig into Pikmin 3 Deluxe and have some spooky Halloween fun with Luigi's Mansion 3 on its one-year anniversary. My name is Chris, and joining me today are two of my fellow co-workers at Nintendo of America, Corey from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Corey. Hey, how's it going, Chris? Great. And Yefine from the Strategic Communications team. Hi, Yefine. Hi, Chris. And we're going to kick things off this time with a game that I've been really looking forward to, Pikmin 3 Deluxe, which will release on October 30th, just uh, about one week from when this episode will be posted. Um, now, we've all gotten to spend quite a bit of time with the game, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, but Yefine, I wanted to start with you. This is your first Pikmin game, so I want to start by hearing how you're liking it so far and how you describe it maybe to other players who might not have played a Pikmin game before. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed that I never played a Pikmin game before. This was um, this is actually my <laughs> first foray into the franchise, and i got to say, I, I feel like I was kind of missing out. Um, I've never, you know, it, it is tough to describe. I would say <clears throat> definitely something that I've never played before. Um, like it's it's very unique. It's it's definitely doesn't really fit into any sort of box when it comes to maybe like a genre or anything. If I had to describe it, I guess it kind of be action puzzle uh, mix, right? Um, uh, you know, you're you're throwing your Pikmin around. You're trying to solve puzzles. You're on this timer day day type of system. So it's it, it is really interesting, and and I am having a lot of fun with it so far. Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty interesting mix because kind of as the captain who kind of rallies these Pikmin creatures together to help you get tasks done, you know, throughout the day, uh, it, it can at the simultaneously seem very kind of peaceful and relaxing game. Mm -hmm. But then if you're really trying to get a lot of things done and, and you're trying to multitask, it can get a little frantic and, and uh, you know, you really got to think about your strategy. So in that respect, I think it's, it's uh, when I first started playing the series, I found that it was pretty easy to get into. But then, of course, the more you try to master it, there was a lot to learn. Yep. Now, Corey, uh, you're a longtime Pikmin super fan. So how did you get started with the series and what about it appeals to you? Yeah, you mentioned being a super fan. I, I may or may not own some Pikmin themed silverware from when I went to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really adore this franchise. Um, you know, since the original Pikmin released um, near the GameCube's launch, uh, Nintendo GameCube's launch, I have been a fan. But I think what I most enjoy uh, was first just kind of getting to know these curious creatures who, um, you know, are willing to help you out and do really whatever you want them to do. You know, if you get stuck and can't cross a bridge, it's like, let the Pikmin um, do that for you. And it's almost like when I first played the game many years ago, um, you know, they, they almost seem like ants, right? Like singularly, one single Pikmin can't accomplish too much. But when you get a squad of maybe 10, 20, 30 or more, um, it's just the feeling is really great of being able to command them. Yeah, I think the max number of Pikmin you can have on the field at once is 100. And when you have a group that big and you hit the button to make them all charge at a particular target, whether it's an enemy or whether it's just a giant fruit or something that you want to carry back to your ship, when you just charge that whole crowd at it, it gets done fast. I really love that. Sometimes I actually feel bad about doing that if it's an enemy and you're like, it's, it's almost unfair to send a squad of, you know, 100 Pikmin at a, a poor Bulborb and, and they're just <laughs> instantly defeated. Especially if that Bulborb is just sitting there sleeping. <laughs> but you know, if you try to walk around that Bulborb, he's going to come after you if he gets the chance. So I don't feel too bad about it. It's nature, right? Yeah. Yeah. Circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so now, next, I want to dig into Pikmin 3 Deluxe a little bit by talking about five key things about this game. And the first thing I want to touch on is that this version uh, adds new side story missions that feature Olimar and Louis. Um, now, a lot of Pikmin fans will, will recognize Olimar as being the um, the primary character from the original Pikmin game, and he's shown up in the other ones as well. And he was in the original Wii U version of Pikmin 3, but as more of a in more of a cameo role, I think. But but here with these side missions, you get to take control of Olimar and kind of find out what was happening uh, with him during you know before and during the events of uh, uh, of the story mode in Pikmin Three with the other characters. And of course, Louis comes from Pikmin Two, and he's another favorite character of mine in the series. Um, so you know, this is something that even people who played Pikmin Three 
uh, on the Wii U version of the game, um, this is something that'll be brand new to them. Um, and have either of you had a chance to try out any of these these new missions yet? Yeah, I've actually um, I'm I'm a, a few hours in now, and I've actually gotten a chance to unlock that stuff and, and play a few of those side missions. They're they're a lot of fun, and um, as a new player, right, it doesn't doesn't really stick out to me. That's something that maybe wasn't in the original Wii release. Um, but it, to me, the pacing of it is a little bit different, and it does help me mix up the pace a little bit. Um, the story mode to me seems like okay. I'm, I'm really trying to you know find the next captain or or you know find more fruit. <clears throat> Whereas the side missions, they they seem to have a different objective, and it feels a little bit more relaxing to me. That said, I'm only a few side story missions in, so I'm, I'm not. I don't know if it changes or not, but um, that's kind of my experience with it so far. Yeah, I think it's 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 a good mix, right? Because it's these missions are similar to mission mode, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a couple of minutes. But um, you know, where you have to defeat enemies and grab items under a certain time limit, so it, it can be like a nice break from the main story mode, especially if you're playing some of the easier, uh, you know, missions or side story missions, um, where you can just focus on a relatively you know few amount of things at a time in just one kind of walled off area of the world. Um, but then, yeah, if you want to really go for some of the, the better rankings, uh, it, it can be quite challenging. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I, I have played them all and I don't, I want to be careful about spoilers. I'm personally very sensitive when it comes to all things spoilers, but, but when I played the original Pikmin 3 on Wii U a few years ago, I was curious about what Olimar and Louis were up to, since, as you mentioned, Chris, they did have a little bit more of a, a cameo role there. So um, it's really, as you know, as being a fan of the series since, uh, you know, 2001, um, it's great to see what these characters were up to on the planet uh, PNF 404 um, before, kind of during and after the, uh, the Copites, Alf, Brittany, and Charlie got, you know, got started on their adventures. So... Um, so yeah, it's 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 great to to control Captain Olimar again, right? He was the original uh, the captain, the original captain. I know, and he's the one that uh, you know fans of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate you know can play as as Captain Olimar in that game as well. And for a lot of people, that might have been their first introduction to the Pikmin franchise. And and in a way, it's it's somewhat similar. Certainly in in, in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, you use Pikmin to kind of throw at the bad guys and kind of do your work for you. So I guess uh, thematically, it's kind of similar here to the actual Pikmin games. I also liked in these side story uh, missions how the funny little bits with uh, the president of the company that uh, Olimar works for. Uh, I think he was from a previous game as well, so it was fun to see him come back and see that interaction. Yeah, it's almost like that the president doesn't learn. He's like the, the company is in, in debt yet again and has <laughs> to send Olimar to the planet to kind of help the, the their company um, so he's sort of just sent to the planet to collect treasure. You've been to this planet twice, but but go there again because Captain Olimar is a very loyal, um, you know, worker for his company. That that definitely helps me put put it together because I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize exactly who the president was, and I was like, oh, interesting that he's he's uh, sending Olimar off on these missions. Um, but Chris, going back to your note about Super Smash Brothers too, that actually is my first experience with Captain Olimar, and now that I'm playing this uh, Pikmin Three Deluxe. It's all kind of clicking in my head now. It's like that's why that's why Captain Olimar does that. That's why he does that. And I will say uh, one of my favorite things about it so far is hearing them talk in you know the the gibberish type language that they're they're talking in. I yeah. think I, that's I, I I have a laugh every time I, I every time I hear it. Yeah, especially Olimar. He has a much deeper voice than I would have guessed. <laughs> he does. Yeah, that was definitely something that stuck out to me. All right. So next on my list of key things I want to talk about are the multiplayer modes. Now we've touched on this just a little bit, but um. Pikmin 3 Deluxe adds the ability to play split-screen co-op in story modes. You can play through the entirety of story mode with two players now if you want. Um, and I haven't had a chance to try this myself, but Corey, i got to imagine that if you've got two people uh, tackling these story mode missions, that uh, there'll be all sorts of new strategies that you want to consider. Absolutely. And I, and I have played a little bit of story mode in co-op so far. And I think one of my favorite aspects, or actually two of my favorite aspects, is one it's available from the start, right? You don't have to like get to a certain point in story mode to unlock that ability. Um, so yeah, right from the get-go, you can add in that second player. Um, and also at any point in the game, 
um, it's sort of drop in, drop out. So, you know, if you have somebody that only has a few minutes of time to help you with the task, you can pause the game, add that second player, they can help you. And then if they get busy or need to start cooking or whatever errand they need to run, they can drop out. But, but from a strategy and gameplay perspective, you're absolutely right, because there are three explorers that you eventually get to control in uh, the, the story campaign. And even as a single player, you'll find yourself pushing the Y button to switch between different explorers to kind of, you know, multitask with different Pikmin squads. But with that second player, um, it really just makes it more fun so that, you know, while one player is building a bridge, uh, the other player can be maybe battling an enemy or collecting a piece of fruit. Um, and yeah, you know, exploration, battling, um, controlling Pikmin is always more fun with the second player. So... Yeah, and and I have had a chance uh, with um, mission mode to play co-op uh, with my son, and that was fun because, like you said, you know, a, a skilled player can kind of switch between captains even when playing by themselves and kind of multitask that way. But it's I found it'd be extra fun, kind of just talking and coordinating, you know, and coming up with strategies together and saying, okay, you go here and do that. I'm going to stay here and do this. And uh, that extra level of coordination, I thought, just made it even more fun. Yeah, I do think the the aspect of maybe one player being more maybe that veteran, like personally, I'm I'm excited to kind of introduce um, my nephew to Pikmin three through uh, Pikmin three Deluxe through the co-op mode, um, mm-hmm. so I can kind of help guide him, ease him into uh, the story mode a bit more. So, um, I think it's a it's a great way for yeah that more experienced player to maybe take on two of the explorers and maybe the the second player, you know, maybe starts doing an easier task to kind of. They're still helping, but yeah. Yeah, it's like with anything. It's like, okay, you do this entry-level stuff while I go do the more advanced stuff. And then before you know it, they're doing the advanced stuff, and, and you're, you're both equally good at the game. Yeah, your son's going to give you like five Pikmin to like go do a small task eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or he'll just have me stay and guard the ship, basically, while he gets it all done, because he learns quick. Yeah, maybe and you can be in uh, charge of... Uh, getting all of the stray Pikmin and he'll do all of the rest of the things. Just make sure <laughs> yeah. there are no stray Pikmin on the field. Yeah, I will say it and helps. And then conversely, <clears throat> oh, sorry, you, go ahead. You find no, it. sorry. I was going to say it, it as a new player too, it also felt um, the the day system or the time system um, that you have in story mode. It's definitely helped uh, playing a little bit of co-op because it definitely relieves a little bit of that, <laughs> that stress for me. Um, it took me a little bit of while, a little bit of time to realize too that, you know, that you could go back and it, like it wasn't the end of the world if the day ended. Um, and so uh, co-op definitely helped me feel like, okay, I, I can take take my time a little bit more sometimes, uh, make sure someone else is helping me out and getting stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you do ideally want to be maximizing what you get done on each day. And you especially want to be able to find some fruit because you don't want to have too many days in a row where you're not adding to that that fruit juice stockpile because you consume one one bottle of that every day. <laughs> so that is that is something you have to keep you know, front of mind is you don't necessarily always have to get everything done in one day, but you do want to try to check off a couple of things and make continue make to make some progress. And then um, continuing on talking about multiplayer, there's the bingo battles, which is okay. Co-ops thrown out the window with bingo battles. Now it's head to head, and you're basically retrieving items uh, that are on your bingo card before your opponent does, so you can uh, fill in a row of uh, you know enemies or treasure, whatever on your card. Fill in a complete row, and and that means you win the, the bingo battle. Um, this is where Pikmin 3 suddenly becomes very frantic, <laughs> for me at least, and, uh, and a lot of fun as a competitive game. It's not a mode that I would have expected to have enjoyed as much as I did. I could probably spend the next hour just talking about bingo battle strategies <laughs> and like triumphs and like memories of losses that I still remember to, <laughs> to this day. Um, but I, yeah, I love bingo battle and... Um, I love that it kind of flips, um, you know, it's a different way to enjoy uh, the Pikmin franchise and sort of that friendly yet frantic competitive mode. And the concept that you mentioned, Chris, is so simple. It's just fill up your bingo card by bringing up items back to your ship and get four in a row. And it's so simple, but the strategies that you can employ become pretty deep. And then just the the trash talking that can... uh, (laughs) can occur with your opponent as um, maybe you're going for that last item on your bingo card, but your opponent steals it and then blocks you from getting that in mm. a row. And it 
it sounds without full context of like seeing the gameplay and being in the moment, you're like, it's just bingo. Like, how is this that interesting? And then you, you see it and you're in the moment and you're like, okay, one more match. Okay. One more match. And yeah, I, I mean, hours and hours you can spend just, um, having fun with that, that mode. But yeah, I like how bingo battle and also mission mode, um, you know, takes the core gameplay from story mode. And in story mode, you, you know, you, you have certain objectives, but you have a lot of freedom in terms of what order you do things or what you're you're, you're going to try to go after during the time you have in each given day. But then in, in uh, Bingo Battle and Mission Mode, it it really says, no, you, you have very specific goals and you have mm-hmm. a very, uh, you know, short amount of time to achieve them. So um, it, it kind of has the same feel as story mode, but you know you're in a completely different mindset, which I think is a great way to you know mix up the action. Yeah, it's one of those things I, I played a little bit too, um, and it it um, definitely brings out the competitive side of me and, and a lot of screaming and a lot of yelling. Um, I will say I, I agree, Chris. I feel like story mode it, it's almost about, about discovering and kind of exploring and like seeing what you can get. This one is like okay, I need to get. I need to find this exact thing. I need to go find it, and I need to go, go get it. So it, it's I, I really like that change up, and it does feel very very different than than the than the story mode or even missions. I get more kind of emotionally attached to kind of the characters in the world when I'm playing story mode, and then yeah, mission and bingo battle really sort of are fun to really test my skill limit, and they really raise your just your your skill levels in the game and then your confidence. So I've I've found that if I go back into story mode after playing a little bit of mission mode or bingo battle, I am just much more efficient in story mode and feel like I can take on more challenges and enemies in the story more efficiently. I, I totally agree with that. And, and let's talk a little bit more about mission mode, which is uh, next on my list here. Um, I, you know, Corey, I think that's a great point that when you have kind of a, a more limited number of objectives and a, and a time limit, it forces you to kind of figure out on your own, uh, you know, how to improve your skills, how to improve your strategies, how to multitask um, in order to accomplish, you know, your tasks in that under that time limit. And then I think you start to understand the game a bit better so that when you go to story mode, um, you carry those skills over and you're that much more effective in story mode. And, um, you know, so we, I kind of touched on this before, but mission mode, you can play in single player or co-op. And it's very similar to those side story missions uh, with uh, Captain Olimar um, in, in that they have special objectives. There's three types of mission modes or mission mode stages. <clears throat> There's um, the time where you collect treasure, the kind where you battle enemies, and then the kind where you defeat bosses. And um, in the original Wii U version of Pigman 3, um, there were some additional mission mode stages that were offered as DLC. All of those are included already uh, in Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Um, so that means you've got a lot more mission mode content to dive into right from the right from the jump. And um, you know we've touched on this a bit, but I'll just say again, you know I just think mission mode is a great way to have some kind of bite-sized fun, test your skills, uh, and then you can you know if you really want to get into it, you can challenge uh, those missions over and over again to keep improving your rank, keep getting better and better medals. So, Corey, I imagine that's something that as someone who uh, has been playing Pikmin for a while, that's a really good opportunity for you to kind of show what you can do. Absolutely. And I think that it's the type of mode that you do want to play again and again because there are, you know, the game ranks you. You can get bronze, gold, uh, platinum medals in it. So um, kind of that carrot on on the end of the stick, you want to play again because you know that, oh, if I just play this one more time, I'm going to be able to get all the treasure or do it in a faster manner. Um, I also like that you mentioned the DLC because one of my absolute favorite stages from the Wii U versions DLC was the holiday themed stage with the music and the the tree decorations and Pikmin can slide down the uh, string or the ribbon on the tree. There's presents and uh, I don't know, that one uh, is one of my favorites of of mission mode, but... um, but yeah, since there are different uh, um, objectives, you have one that is just about defeating enemies or one that is just about collecting treasure, and they take different sort of strategies um, depending on the objective. Mm-hmm. And next on the list here, I wanted to talk about the various settings in the game for difficulty and controls. And uh, and I'm curious to find out, first of all, which control style you guys are using. You find, are you playing with... 
uh, one or two Joy-Con? Are you playing with the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller? Have you turned your gyro pointer on, or are you just using the control stick? How do you prefer to play the game? Uh, I'm a Nintendo Switch Pro Controller player. I, I just I just do that for most of the games that I play. <clears throat> that said, I have actually um, had some fun with double Joy-Con as well, just depending on kind of how the mood is. Um, I, I, I tend to prefer Pro Controller over, over everything else, though. Yeah, I would say that's that's how I've been playing too. Is with the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller, and uh, you know I, what I think is cool though is you know I think the Pikmin games have have always kind of been known for um, various kind of control options. Uh, you know, on um, you know originally you would use the uh, or not originally on GameCube you use the controller uh, more traditional settings, but then you know uh, later on you would use the Wii Remote controller with some of the games. Um, then Wii U had various control uh, options. So it's nice to see that a lot of those have kind of been brought forward or evolved for Pikmin 3 Deluxe so that no matter where you may, may have started in the series and no matter what you're used to, there's something here that should feel pretty familiar. Corey, how about you? What control style do you prefer? Um, my preference is um, I'm also mostly using a pro controller, but I do use gyro um, and I basically use it as a pointer. So I'm getting somewhat of a feel like I have a um, Wii remote and nunchuck almost sort of uh, because I still have that pointer. Um, I like having my cursor independent of my explorer movement. So um, that's my personal preference. But um, but yeah, I think having the variety, I think all players are going to find what works best for them. Mm-hmm. And then with difficulty settings, I mean, that's something that's fairly common in a lot of games, being able to choose your difficulty. But I think for a game like this, that is, you know, pretty unique. And, you know, isn't, you know, uh, if you're a fan of other Nintendo games, you know, Super Mario games, Legend of Zelda games, um, you can see, I think, a lot of that core Nintendo DNA in Pikmin 3 Deluxe. But still, it's it's a type of gameplay experience you may not have had before. So I think that it's it's great that uh, people who may just want to ease into it have the option to start off in a lower difficulty setting, and then you can ramp that up if you feel like you're already uh, a pro and you want to test yourself. Yeah, and those are new features, uh, many of those kind of um, elements that are geared towards newcomers. So um, the... I know the normal setting on difficulty, which is the easiest way to start story mode, allows the day timer or the sun meter at the top of the screen to move slower, um, which I think you find you were talking a little bit about. It really just makes it so you can take your time, take in this lush environment, learn about the Pikmin creatures at your own pace without feeling the, you know, oh my gosh, I need to like get the fruit or we're not going to be able to continue our adventure. So um, I appreciate that the development team added those features. Um, in addition, the improved lock-on system is another kind of aspect. It's not necessarily tied to difficulty, but certainly makes, I feel like, um, some of the challenges that you come across, if you're finding yourself with multiple enemies, you can toggle which enemy you want to lock onto very quickly. Um, if you find yourself in a bind where maybe aiming manually is just not doing the trick for you. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned. I actually didn't realize <clears throat> that the lock-on feature was um, was was new to the Nintendo Switch version. Um, I'm I'm finding that being the main way that I really <laughs> or am really accurate, and maybe I should aim a little bit more. But um, that is really the best the best way I've been able to you know actually complete all all of the story mode missions so far. But I'm I'm also playing on normal mode right now. I feel like it's it's just right, and there's still a challenge too, even despite there being a little bit more time with the day timer. Um, I feel like there there are definitely moments where I'm like, oh shoot, it's it's the day's almost ending. Did I did I do enough? Did I do what I needed to do? Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe if if I get a little bit further in, I might even want to um, amp it up a bit. All right, now before we wrap up our discussion on Pikmin Three Deluxe, I wanted to just check with both of you and see if you have any you know either beginner or advanced tips um, that uh, people who are coming to Pikmin 3 Deluxe, uh, you know, might want to keep in mind. And you find I'll start with you, you know, since you've, you know, you're, you're coming to this series kind of fresh, what's something maybe that you learned uh, over the course of those first few hours that you think uh, might be helpful for people to know right as they jump into the game? Yeah, you know, I think I mean, I've mentioned the, um, the, the day, the, the day uh, system uh, a few times already. I think for me, it was realizing that it, that you you have more time than you think, and that you you don't really need to really um, be too stressed out about it. Um, 
because I I, I want to say that it, it took me a while to realize that um, this interesting game loop, right, about the getting the fruit and then the fruit is, you know, essentially your life, right, and, and how many attempts you get. And so learning that over time and realizing, oh, I, I, I do have plenty of juice right now and I can take my time. I don't really need to stress about, like, getting every single thing done within just a day's time. Um, so definitely for me, it was starting out and realizing, okay, I can, I should take my time and really enjoy and really learn uh, all the mechanics, um, Mm -hmm. as I go. And then now I'm at a point where, um, I'm a little bit more skilled and I'm able to more efficiently do everything. And that, that's where the fun comes from me is like, how efficient can I make this day, um, without, you know, wasting any moves or, you know, wasting any, um, uh, Pikmin, things like that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think especially at the beginning of the game, they give you a certain amount of fruit juice to start with to give you a little bit of a buffer so you can kind of really take your time in those first few days and wrap your head around the game and and ease into it. So I think that's a great point. Corey, what would you think is, you know, once people are up to speed a little bit more, what what are maybe a a tip or maybe a strategy that you found helpful to to kind of, um, you know, up your level in that in the game? Well, I guess without repeating what Yafine mentioned, I will say first off, Definitely, definitely, definitely um, grab the demo if you haven't already, because there is a demo on eShop um, that is available now that lets you play through the first boss of story mode. But um, I would say for the full game, really that story mode is what I would recommend all newcomers start with, because the it really is geared towards introducing players to this world, to the curious Pikmin creatures that sort of become attached to you and... You know, we didn't talk about this too much, but the emotional aspect when you send Pikmin into danger and, you know, they may, I don't know, for lack of a better word, die or perish or <laughs> whatever, you feel bad because you see their ghosts floating up. So you you do sort of have that incentive to want to keep the Pikmin safe because they will do what you ask them to do. But from a strategic perspective, I would recommend the uh, copad accessory which you get pretty early on in the game you can access it pushing the minus button and there are data files uh, that are kind of hidden around the environment some maybe not so well hidden early on but these offer up tips on maybe enemy weaknesses or um different strengths of different Pikmin types. Again, we didn't speak too much about this, but red Pikmin are fireproof. Blue Pikmin are the only ones that can go in water. And you really want to make sure you're taking advantage of those Pikmin strengths. And uh, as you, you know, whether or not you're challenging an, an obstacle or an enemy creature in the world. I think that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, there are certain things that only certain Pikmin can do, like yellow Pikmin are the only ones that can conduct electricity, or rock Pikmin are the only ones that can smash certain obstacles. But there are things that any Pikmin can do, but certain Pikmin are better at, like mm-hmm. red Pikmin are better at fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yellow Pikmin, I think, are faster at digging. So, you know, those are the types of things you want to keep in mind, too, once you really s- start getting up to speed and you want to make the most of every minute, you know, throughout the course of your day. Um, we talked before too about multitasking, kind of getting good about splitting up, you know, your Pikmin into separate squads to kind of, uh, go to different areas of the map. But one thing, uh, and you mentioned that the pad, one thing that, um, I've really been learning has been very useful for me is you can, you can kind of choose any spot on the map and just say, go to here. Mm-hmm. And then your, your squad will automatically walk to that spot if, if, you know, the path is open and available to them. And I found that, um, you know, uh, you know, as you kind of explore an area and, and learn it, um, obviously you kind of learn how to get f- from here to there. But sometimes, you know, the areas can get pretty big and sometimes it's not top of mind. Like, OK, I need to make a left here and a right here, go through the cave to get back to that spot I wanted to explore again. So just being able to pick it on the map and just kind of observe around my squad and kind of check out, you know, the environment and look for other things I might be missing while they're handling the actual task of walking to that area, I found to be pretty helpful. The so, I think the the span of like being you know good at Pikmin and then being incredibly incredibly skilled at Pikmin I feel like it's so broad and wide like if you want to be the ultimate efficient fastest person yeah I, I feel like some of those features you discussed such as the go here feature are are mandatory but someone could easily spend 
you know, 50 plus hours of the game, maybe not using that feature and still having a good time. But personally, I agree with you, Chris, I get a lot more enjoyment, the more I'm improving my skills at the game and, and I have Mm -hmm. more fun. Absolutely. Well, just to close out, um, Corey, thanks for mentioning the demo. I did want to make sure that everyone was aware that that is a Nintendo eShop now. <clears throat> and also, I wanted to mention them that uh, the Pikmin short movies are available on YouTube now. Um, some uh, fans may remember that these were originally um, released in Nintendo eShop on Wii U, uh, but now they're just really available to watch on YouTube, and they're a lot of fun. They are very charming, I think. I enjoy them quite a bit. Um, and are just really, uh, again, really short uh, experiences that kind of maybe introduce you to the world of Pikmin and let you have a lot of fun. All right, well, now we're going to move on to Player's Pulse. This is the section where, uh, you know, we talk about polls that we posted on Twitter. Um, we posted these just a few days ago, and we're, they were all themed around Halloween this time. And the first question that we asked fans was, which classic Legend of Zelda enemy is creepiest? And the options that we gave were Like Like, Redead, Skulltula, or Wallmaster. You find if you had to, to maybe just let me know what you think might be creepiest, <laughs> which one of these would you choose? For me, hands down, Redead. Uh, I, I, have, I, I still have memories of being a, being a kid and playing Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and every time they stare at you, uh, you freeze and they scream. It's, it's terrifying, and I, I, don't, I think I'm probably still going to have nightmares about that uh, into my adult years. So. Corey, do you back that up, or is there maybe another one here that uh, Skulltulas are pretty creepy too? Wallmasters, like likes? It's got to be 100% redead. I mean, similar to you, fine. I have those memories from um, from Nintendo 64, and the fact that they were, of course, you know, the, the graphic detail at the time was very amazing. But now, now looking back at them, I think they're still pretty creepy. But that that scream, I think, has got to be the the extra like oomph that really. Makes them creepy. Yeah. yeah, the creepiest. Absolutely, the scream, and then like you, like you said, you find that you can't move, and you don't necessarily when you first get hit with that, you don't know when your control is going to come back. So it's it's pretty pretty uh, intimidating, and uh, and uh, the uh, the fans agreed. Redead won the vote by fifty six percent. Skulltula was second, uh, followed closely by Wallmaster and Like Like. So uh, the other ones kind of split the the rest, but Redead was the clear favorite. And then the second question was, what do you do when a boo creeps up on you? And the two options were to run away fast or to keep an eye on it. Corey, do you keep your cool when you see a boo kind of creeping up or do you just get out of there? I guess it would depend on the quantity. And the question sounds like it was a singular boo. So I would probably keep an eye on it. But if it were a group of boos, I may revisit that answer. (laughs) You're fine. Uh, I would agree, though I would... Also, I, I would say it also depends on the obstacles because if, if it's just one boo and if, if he's just heading towards me, I might just dash across if I can jump across and, and you know, clear the level that way. So it's all circumstantial, but... <laughs> got it, got it. really depends. Well, uh, since we didn't give uh, too many nuanced options here, uh, keep an eye on it was the huge favorite, 85.4%, uh, with just 14.6% saying they would run away fast. So... Uh, it's nice to know that people are keeping a level head out there despite uh, you know, a ghost creeping up behind you. And the final question was, how would you spend a night in Luigi's Mansion? And the choices were hunt ghosts, vacuum up every dollar, or hide in a bathroom. Corey, be, be honest here. Which one would you, would you do? I guess knowing what I know about the Luigi's Mansion games, I would want to vacuum up every dollar because in the games that's... I feel like literally all I do is just keep the vacuum, the poltergust button like held down almost the entire game. I want everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's probably my answer is, is vacuum up every dollar. You find? Do you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. That's there's there's nothing more satisfying than just running around and 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 vacuuming up all the dollars and the coins and um, that that feeling the, the the little thunk that you hear every time it comes in. Yeah, I definitely choose that. Well, we are all in agreement with the fans once again who chose vacuum up every dollar with sixty five point one percent of the vote. Uh, Hunt ghosts was a distant second at uh, just over eighteen percent. And then hide in a bathroom, 16%. I got to say, that's 16%. I got to give them credit for being uh, totally honest. Because uh, I'd like to think I'd be vacuuming up the uh, the, the money, but uh, chances are I might just be hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> All right, now we're going to move on to Nintendo Power Game Club.
This is where we talk about a game that we all chose to play beforehand, kind of like a book club. And this time, in honor of Halloween and also in honor of the game's one-year anniversary, we're going to talk about Luigi's Mansion 3. And I wanted to start the discussion with a couple of comments that fans shared about the game on Twitter. Um, Kaitu said, I was playing while my son assisted. It was early in the game, and I had just reassured him that the game wasn't scary. I proceeded to look through the telescope, and the crystal ghost jump-scared me so bad that I screamed and tossed the controller. My son still laughs about that moment. And then one more uh, comment from Cosmic, who said, Some of my favorite moments in the game were all the little unique animations for Luigi, like when he steps out of a, uh, out of a window and shuffles along the outside of a wall. Luigi is so expressive in this game, and it's really entertaining to just watch him interact with everything. So, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with these comments more. I think this, this game was very uh, charming, had a ton of personality, and just was a lot of spooky fun. Um, you find, what do you think, you know, what jumped out to you in the game about, you know, kind of about the charm and the personality and the animations, like things like that? Yeah, no, char charming is really probably the best word I would use to describe it. And it's just, yeah, those little, little uh, moments for Luigi, right? When he's just, even when you're just walking around exploring and, you know, developers could have chosen just to make him walk around and, and you know, confidently or, or just normally, but he's he's literally scared the entire time. And, and it really, there's really this great overarching um, Luigi personality that just, that just bleeds through the entire time. Um, I mean, gameplay wise too, it's just, it's just so much fun. It's, it's, um, it really is all about just like ex exploration and, and being curious about everything around you. And I really, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> I feel like that's, that's, you know, always have an objective or you're trying to, um, get to point A to point B, but this game in particular really is about taking your time and looking behind every corner. And even if it's just sucking up some, um, some, some money or some, um, coins like that's that's really it's it's just so satisfying to to go around and, and find those these little nooks and corners yeah absolutely i think you know the game really nails that kind of spooky haunted house feel that almost feels like a like a theme park haunted house to me with the music which is so good and then the humor of course it's never too creepy too scary but it it has kind of that fun spookiness to it uh, and then not only do you get a lot of personality from Luigi, but I feel like all of the different bosses and the ghosts really have a lot of kind of unique charm to them. And then, you know, Polterpup, which is like the cutest little ghost puppy, you know, you've ever seen. Nice, Corey, I see you're wearing the shirt right now. Polterpup, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm just always smiling when I play this game. I just realized also that we are talking about two games that had their original release back in 2001, uh, both Pikmin and Luigi's Mansion. And here we are talking about some of their best entries yet in their third iterations. Um, but could not agree with both of you more. The, the most basic actions that you do as Luigi of just walking around and interacting with objects is so satisfying. And I feel like that's what keeps me coming back. But the presentation, the humor, the animations it makes me want to explore. Yeah, like you said, you find every nook and cranny in the game, um, which is a good feeling. Um, not all games you want to see every single bit, but in this game, I'm like, I know there's going to be something that makes me smile or laugh around every corner. Opening up a uh, stall in the bathroom to find a ghost reading a newspaper, like, I don't know. I love it. I want more. <laughs> kind of to that point, um, I want to share another comment from Tyler who says, it's been almost a year since I played the game, but I love the movie production floor. Jumping in and out of TVs to solve puzzles felt very clever and was a lot of fun to play. And so I wanted to use that, um, his comment, as an opportunity to discuss the structure of the game. You know, it's, it's one big hotel this time. It's one big puzzle box, essentially. But every floor has its own unique theme, whether it be a movie studio or like a desert or a dance club or a gym. You know, it's it's quite astonishing, frankly, that they're able to make some of these floors, um, you know, work within the confines of, of being in a hotel. Because sometimes, like, when you're in the desert, it feels like you're in a desert, and you know, outside. Um, but I wanted to ask if either of you could remember any particular floors or maybe even specific moments that really stood out to you. Yeah, for me, it is the movie the movie studio floor, for sure. I think that's the... Um... That and for, for me, that floor and the garden, the garden 
uh, themed floor. I feel like those were the two that really stuck out to me thematically. Um, yeah, when you get to the movie production floor, you're just you, you, you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on because it's it's definitely not what you would expect at all. Um, I, that really sticks out to me, and then I I love the um, I love the garden floor because I feel like that was the first time um, when I was playing the game for the first time, realizing that each of the floors was going to be could be completely different themed and they could they were really each going to have their own character um and so that that really stuck out to me as well for sure Corey, how about you is the garden floor the one we're talking about when luigi encounters a chainsaw i believe i believe so because Because that was one of my favorite moments in the game of just like you're used to luigi (laughs) being so helpless although he has this you know strobe uh poltergeist strobe bulb everything but getting that chainsaw for for a limited amount of time was just incredible um i also loved the movie floor specifically because of the puzzle aspect and really having to think about how you would solve some of those puzzles but um early on i actually enjoyed sort of just the shopping area when you you know early on you first get access to guiji and you're having to use him to go into the different i guess shop uh shops that are locked in order to get the keys from the um what the the registers but uh but yeah everything was still so new you weren't sure what was coming around the next corner not i mean that's the story of the whole game you never know what's coming around the next corner but but yeah i loved um i don't know i've always loved shopping malls and the escalators and luigi not being able to go up the escalator um that was sort of one of, i guess the earlier floors that i that i really enjoyed yeah that was a good one and and Corey, you mentioned guigi and let's talk a little bit about about him and also, you know, the kind of a, a new features and the new actions that that uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 introduced to the series. It's really fun to kind of, after you've vacuumed up a ghost, to kind of slam him around into other ghosts. It's fun to shoot the, the suction cup and kind of, um, you know, pull things back. Uh, like, especially when, it, when you're fighting a boss that might have a shield and you pull the shield away. So some fun little puzzle elements like that. But Guigi was the big star here because so many puzzles... Um, require you to use Guigi to kind of go, you know, go do one thing or, or use his abilities to kind of walk through spikes, which Luigi can't do, while Luigi kind of pulls a switch or something somewhere else. And uh, I really liked what that added to the game. And it's fun, too, when you can have, you know, a second player play as, uh, as Guigi. Yeah, definitely. And I would say also they're talking, going back to the charm again, even Guigi, who can't really make any noises, has has amazing charm too. I I love when I think there's an animation where, when you are, when you're done using Guiji and you and you you double tap um, the, uh, the the stick to um, to return him, they they gave each other a thumbs up, and it, it, that's just little 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 uh, behaviors like that that really add character. But um, I agree. I I played a lot of this game um, uh, with a, with another person, and it just it just made it super fun to to play one of these. Um, you know, exploration type, discovery type games with another player where, again, it's it's not about like, you know, competing to get to the end of somewhere. You're really just enjoying and exploring and both of you are kind of chuckling as you go um, just with all the little details and the, and the, and the fun things that are happening. Absolutely. Just some of the other things that Guiji can do are just ridiculous, like going into the what the like the pipes that almost feel like when you put money in like in the bank they go through like the tubes that are just oh, yeah. going through them <laughs> it's so ridiculous i love it all right now i'm going to read one last comment uh from this one from jp and when asked what they enjoyed most jp said bonding with my sister as adults we have pretty busy schedules with our jobs so looking forward to an evening or weekend to play co-op was amazing even if we played backward i as the experienced player was guiji instead of the other way around so I thought this was a great point and, and could give us the opportunity here to discuss multiplayer a little bit more. Um, you know, as we said before, there's you can play uh, two-player co-op in story mode with Guiji. Um, but there's also a lot of multiplayer content. Um, there's two main modes. There's a Scare Scraper, which is co-op, where up to eight players locally or online uh, you know, can work together to reach the top of a tower, going floor by floor and, and kind of um, battling ghosts. And then there's uh, Screen Park, which are a bunch of competitive mini games that two to eight players can can play on a single system. And in those games, it's always Team Luigi versus Team Guigi. And um, you know, there's a lot of different mini games there. But but you know, two that stood out to me was Ghost Hunt, where you're in a graveyard, and uh, you know, within the time limit, you and the other players are running around to the different uh, uh, gravestones trying to capture more ghosts than the other. 
and then dodgeball, which is kind of like a, a dodgeball kind of game where you're using the, the poltergeist to kind of suck up the ball and kind of throw it at the other side. So, um, you know, that's a lot of multiplayer content between those two modes. Uh, you know, is there anything from any of that that you guys have particularly enjoyed? I was going to say dodgeball was actually my, would have been my standout. I, th- I think that mode is so funny. Uh, it's you, like using the vacuum to, to section up the, the balls and shooting them at each other. Um, it's, it's so much fun. That's, that's definitely my, my pick out of, all, out of all, of the, um, all the mini games. I also dig dodgeball, but um, j- maybe my second favorite may be, uh, I believe it's called Puck Stravaganza, which is sort of like an oh, ice yeah. hockey-esque. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's maybe more of my sports background, choosing those, but they're all a blast to play in in Scream Park. I will say I've had a lot of fun playing online in uh, Scare Scraper mode. Even when I'm playing with random players online, the feeling of overcoming a 10-floor Scare Scraper and maybe clearing a few floors by like a matter of like a few seconds on the clock is so satisfying. We're all scrambling, looking for that final ghost to move up to the next floor. Um, so I've had a lot of fun in uh, Scare Scraper, but I also enjoy Scream Park quite a bit as well. Yeah, I think uh, I'm actually going to be playing some of that on Halloween. Uh, I think I'm going to make some plans. And maybe even at certain points, just have uh, just have the game on idle, just to hear that music <laughs> playing on Halloween. <laughs> And, you know, one thing about multiplayer is uh, they really, uh, I think I touched on this before, but they added a lot since the game was originally released. So people may not be aware, um, there have been two waves of multiplayer uh, pack DLC. And combined, they add uh, six additional minigames for screen park mode, six new outfits for Luigi, 12 additional themed ghosts, and four new floor themes in scarescraper mode. So uh, if people maybe uh, missed out on that or weren't aware, they might want to check that out and, uh, and get back into some of that because it's, it's a lot of good content. Now I'm going to move on to Warp Zone. Uh, The Warp Zone quiz. This is where we guess games that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago during the month of October. Are you guys ready? Ready? Yep. Cool. All right. So 10 years ago, this is in October of 2010, Nintendo spun a yarn on Wii that told the story of a pink hero and his player two pal, Prince Fluff. In this platformer, enemies bumped you but didn't damage you, so you literally couldn't lose. Any guesses? You're starting us off with a softball. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to let you fine go first. I mean, Kirby Epic Yarn, right? Kirby's Epic Yarn. It has That's exactly Kirby's right. Yarn. Kirby's <laughs> Epic Yarn, which uh, holds a special place in my heart because it, it's a great first video game for kids, and I actually used it with both of my kids to introduce them to gaming. It's, not only is it cute, but it's, it's pretty you know, easy on new players. And absolutely adorable. It's been 10 years since that game. Wow, time flies. (laughs) All right, 20 years ago, October of 2000, Nintendo released a game for Nintendo 64 in which a legendary hero finds himself in a new land where he must master three different transformations to defeat a danger from above in just three days. Any guesses? This game was remade for Nintendo 3DS in 2015. Oh, I got it. Corey, did you want to go for this? You got it. You got it. You're fine. I I mean. I'll I'll let you answer this one. Yeah. Uh, okay, Legend of Zelda: um, uh, Majora's Mask. That's right. Ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> that blew my mind when I when I realized that uh, that that game is now twenty years old oh. as of this month. Uh, I enjoyed that one a lot. I enjoyed the Nintendo 3DS version a lot, and also that same month, uh, Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver came out for Game Boy. All right, thirty years ago, October of nineteen ninety. Nintendo released a puzzle game for NES in which you could nod along to infectious music while matching colored capsules to fight off germs. Any guesses? I mean, come on, <laughs> Dr. Mario. <laughs> you can go. You can go for this one, Corey. I think. I think we're. I think we have, we're on the same wave. Yeah. The, the doctor's orders. Yeah, Dr. Mario. That's right, Dr. Mario. Still not sure if I would. That was, I think, a birthday gift for me. I think, uh, I think I had that one when it came really? out. Really, yeah. I, I rediscovered that one on Nintendo Switch Online recently, and uh, and and I don't know why it surprised me because my son doesn't play a lot of puzzle games, but he really got uh, to be a big fan of it, and we played a lot of two-player. So, uh, been having a lot of fun with that one lately. All right, bonus question. This time I'm going to play a sound effect, and I just want you guys to guess what it is. Are you ready? Here we go. I'll play it a couple of times, so hold off on answering uh, for just a second. Okay, and here it is again. Any guesses as to what that sound is from? I don't think. I is know. this you playing in a band? 
<laughs> Not quite. I'll play uh, it one more time. Any guesses? I'm going to go, uh, you find anything from you? I don't think I know that one. Yeah. Is it Dry Bones? Wow. wow. It is Dry Bones. It is Dry Bones <laughs> reassembling after you've crunched him into bones. <laughs> Man, well it's done. It's very, very thematic for October. I should have known that one. <laughs> yeah, right on brand. Good job. All right, so now we're going to move to game forecast. So before we go, I'm going to take a quick look at some of the Nintendo Switch games that just released or are coming soon. So on October 8th, we had Falcon Age from Outer Loop Games, Ghost of a Tale from Plug In Digital, I Am Dead from Hollow Ponds and Annapurna Interactive, Eichenfell from Happy Ray Games and Humble Games. Then on the 9th, we had FIFA 21 Nintendo Switch Legacy Edition from Electronic Arts. The Survivalists from Team 17. And October 15th, uh, sorry, on October 15th, we had Cloudpunk from Merge Games. The Jackbox Party Pack 7 from Jackbox Games. Shantae Risky's Revenge Director's Cut from Way Forward. And then on the 16th, there's Crown Trick from Team 17. And on October 23rd, we have Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legend of Zelda. This is the physical edition from Brace Yourself Games and Nintendo. On October 30th, of course, we have Pikmin 3 Deluxe. And on November 3rd, we have Bakugan, Champions of Astoria, from Way Forward and Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. On November 12th, we have Just Dance 2021 from Ubisoft. On November 13th, we have Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory from Square Enix and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered from Electronic Arts. And finally, on November 20th, we have Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity from Nintendo. Um, you find in Corey, is there anything here that you're especially looking forward to? There's a lot, I guess. <laughs> At least for me, I feel like there's, <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, of course, right? That's I'm, I'm a huge Zelda fan, so um, and I loved Hyrule Warriors. Um, so um, that one, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, especially you know having being able to revisit that. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild world again like I've been I've been waiting for that um, and I, w I would also say just in terms of you know uh, party fun or, or group fun uh, the Jackbox Party Pack 7 I think will was is something that I'm definitely looking forward to because I, I own all of those and those are great for great for uh, for group games yeah more Jackbox is always a good thing um, I would say outside of the games, I would like, um, looking forward to time to play all of these great games. Um, but, um, I think outside of Pikmin 3 Deluxe and Hyrule Warriors, um, Age of Calamity, um, I really enjoy racing games. So the Need for Speed title, I'm actually looking forward to, um, quite a bit. I like sort of those arcade racing style games where it's just, you get the sense of, you know, really strong speed. So um, that's that's one personally I'm looking forward to in addition to uh, Jackbox and uh, the others. Uh, you know, those are great picks. I agree with Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I'm really looking forward to learning more about what happened 100 years before The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So that's top of the list. And then also um, I wanted to mention Shantae's Risky Revenge Director's Cut because this is a game I played on a previous platform. I just love the Shantae games. It's a fun series, a fun series of platformers. I love uh, all the different transformations that Shantae can do into different forms that allow her to get to different areas and do different things. And then just great old school pixel art. So it's it's right up my uh, my alley here. And I love, uh, I love those games as well. Definitely going to be replaying this one uh, for the director's cut. All right. Well, Corey and Yefine, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having us. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review, and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power. Mm -hmm.